0: The AP reports that the Indiana Department of Corrections is not allowing prisoners to take adequate social distancing measures. IDOC spokesperson David Burston said that, quote, Correctional housing facility does not allow for meal service in groups of 10 or less, unquote. The IDOC admits that a number of staff members have tested positive for COVID-19, but maintains that no prisoners have it, while admitting that no prisoners have been given access to testing. Visitation has been cut off though, leaving Indiana prisoners in a state of both isolation and vulnerability, comparable to the conditions that triggered uprisings across the Italian prison system earlier this month. Prisoners across the country are fighting back against the cruel risk that they'll be exposed to COVID-19, particularly since they can assume a lack of adequate medical care nine women escaped from a South Dakota facility this week after another prisoner tested positive for COVID-19. Only three have been captured so far. Prisoners are coordinating with supporters on the outside across the country, leading to dozens of local campaigns to support vulnerable people on the inside. ItsGoingDown.org has compiled a list of call-ins. Given the need for social distancing, outside supporters are experimenting with new methods to express solidarity with the prisoners. Never Again Action is a network of Jews and allies opposed to xenophobia and racist immigrant detention policies. Never Again New Jersey pioneered a car based noise demonstration with a caravan of automobiles circling an immigrant detention center to demand the release of prisoners there. Organizers in Durham, North Carolina took up the same model on March 26 to demand that the local jail release prisoners and reduce the risk of mass COVID-19 death on the inside. Prisoners in two other New Jersey facilities have also gone on hunger strike, demanding relief during the pandemic. Solidarity activists in Wisconsin have set up an occupation outside the house of Department of Corrections Secretary Kevin Carr. They are also demanding the release of prisoners in the face of infection without care on the inside. Across the country, facilities have been forced to release prisoners due to COVID-19, as well as family and movement pressure. This week, we continue to air messages from people on the impact of the coronavirus on prisoners around the world and closer to home. We start off with a call from a prisoner at Wapun Correctional in Wisconsin, where an outbreak of COVID-19 has already been reported.
2: My full name is Carlos Khalid Young, 421325. I'm a prisoner here at Walpole Correctional Institution in Wauppin, Wisconsin. Um, i like to speak about... Uh, Covid nineteen virus, uh, coronavirus, um, and the statement that was given out to the public by the warden as well as other DOC officials. I will only speak about the facts that I'm living it, and other individuals uh, here are living. We knew about uh, the staff member here having been tested positive for the coronavirus a month, uh, two weeks ago, and. The uh, staff did nothing to do anything about it until it was it was placed in the news media. Then they lied about when they found out about it. This uh, doctor, he was seeing other prisoners as well as the, being around medical staff and other uh, these DOC employees at that time, they say that they're doing all these, these efforts to make clean, do, do cleaning and all this that's not going on. It, the institution is being ran as, you know, as usual when it comes to cleaning, which is far and in between. What they are doing, they're wiping down the door handles on the shelves that we don't touch anyway because we locked in. Um, we don't get any extra cleaning supplies or anything of that nature. We also found out today that our showers were being canceled. That we only now receive two showers a week now. Other than the I think four showers that we received um, throughout the week to start with. As of right now, we haven't had haven't, haven't had any showers since uh, Friday morning, around eight o'clock, nine o'clock Friday morning. That staff should continuously come into to work without using gloves, um, masks on their face, or anything of that nature, putting our health at risk, as as well as their other other staff members. Everything that they're telling y'all in the public is untrue, untrue. Um, The only thing that has been different, some of the kitchen workers, when they go in in the morning, they're allowed to take a shower. When they go in and they take a shower before they leave, come back to the unions. The, um, the workers, the the, the tenders that are out every day, they get to take showers every day. And they're prisoners just like us and live around us. So that being said, there are people in here that have been sick and that are sick. Yes, some of them have been placed in quarantine, but some of them live around us every day and not, not being taken to a quarantine. Some of them refusing to see medical staff or what have you because they don't want to move. Because you have people that go to HSU every day, daily, for, to take their insulin shots. Some for therapy, physical therapy, you know, and they have to go up there a few times a day. Um, then you have people, an influx of people going in and out daily for various other medical issues and dental issues. And during that time, the doctor, he was still here. And this was two weeks ago. They also said that they sent um, 11 medical staff here. So now we're short. The institution is short on medical staff when it comes to like nurses and things of that nature. And we were always short to begin with. So it's probably only like two. Two thus far that I've that I've seen, it's only like three nurses left here. We never really had a big uh, medical staff um, anyway. They they haven't told us anything. We received the same um, statement that the warden gave to. You to the public, a brief statement, um, the coronavirus is here in Walpole. We are doing this to, um, to try to help limit the spread of the, the virus or whatnot. And outside of that, nothing, they just tell us that it's, um, airborne. They tell us that you can get it from touching, um, people or surfaces or whatnot, um, but outside of that, every, all the information that we get about the virus, we get from the news. We, we get no clean towels. What they do is they give us a spray bottle or a disinfectant. Sometimes it's not even disinfected. It's window cleaning. If you're not um, fortunate enough to have family that's looking out for you or sending you money for, to buy a commissary or whatnot, you you only get two bars of soap like every shower day, and that's it, you know, on on the weekend, once on the weekend, you know. So And these, these bars of soap are very, very small very small. They'll give us the, the spray bottle, and like I said, sometimes it's disinfectant, sometimes it's window to Other than that, we get no clean towels. We get no clean towels daily Um, to, to clean our cells with or anything of that nature. We get no mops or none of that. We, we never really got any mops to begin with to clean the cells to begin with. Um, and these are open cell fronts. You know, meaning that uh, it, we're not living in an enclosed area. Every all the recycled air that comes through, through through the vents in the, the the duct system is recycled. It comes straight back in. and You know, we before this, we, even even right now, you have to sweep your cell out at least six to five, six six to seven times a day. I would say easily, and you will see dust and everything, all types of debris all over the floor, dust bunnies. All of that all over your floor. They have changed nothing, you know, since this since the, this pandemic started until now. Nothing has been changed. And right now, I'm right across the hall from 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 the um the cabinet where they keep the supplies at. The, the cabinets are empty. There are no gloves. There are there are, there's nothing there. There's been no pneumonia used to clean or uh, anything. There's nothing. Like I said, even even the um, the, the tear tenders that, that, that spray, to, spray down things, they sometimes they don't even have this affected to do with. They're using they use window cleaner, and that's not the same. You have staff going around from shell to cell, passing out medication with no gloves on. With no gloves on, most of them try to pop the medication, your pills in your hand, and their hand, and then pour it in your hand instead of using cups or anything of that nature, you know, it, it, it's, it's real unsanitary. And that's what's going on here at Walpine.
0: The prison system in Sao Paulo faces a crisis today due to the prison administration's refusal to provide for the health and safety of prisoners in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. Hundreds of inmates escaped from at least four prisons in the state after local officials canceled their temporary exits because of fears they could bring the new coronavirus back into the prisons with them upon their return. The mass exits are on the magnitude of the 2006 rebellions when the prisoners took over the operations of 74 prison facilities. Today, their prisons suffer from overcrowding and lack of basic necessities like soap, sanitizer, water, ventilation, proper sewage, and other means to assure cleanliness. In Sao Paulo, prisons permit visitors as well as have a semi-open program where certain prisoners leave during the day and return at night. In response to the coronavirus, the prison authorities suspended these programs. Instead, the prison authorities could have adopted house arrest and increasing the open and semi-open programs. This would reduce overcrowding and allow prisoners to protect themselves from the virus at home. The following is a letter we received from Brazil on the situation there.
3: Hello there. This is Acasio Augusto from Brazil, the city of São Paulo, on the 21st of March of 2020, 11 a.m. I've been an anarchist activist for two decades here in Brazil, and I'm also a professor of international security in an international relations program at UniFESP, the Federal University of São Paulo. Before speaking of the escapes that took place recently in the state of São Paulo, in a few of the prisons in the interior and on the coast... I need to give a brief summary of what the Brazilian prison system is here, especially in the state of Sao Paulo, which is the richest and most populated state in the Brazilian Federation. As you must know, Brazil is a continental country, and the financial concentration in the state, and especially the city of Sao Paulo, is intense. This makes everything that happens here pretty significant for the whole country. So what happens is, Brazilian prisons are deeply overcrowded, the majority of prisoners live in completely unhealthy conditions, and this generated, especially over the last three decades, from the decade of the 1990s to the present, which coincides with the process of superincarceration, which you have also lived and are also living in the United States. This only got worse. There was a large prison in the city, the capital, called Karanjiru Prison, and on the 2nd of October 1992, this prison experienced a rebellion which was cruelly repressed with a massacre by the shock troops of the military police of the state of Sao Paulo. I'm recalling this episode from so long ago because it was very significant to what was going to happen in the prisons here. This massacre, which in official numbers killed 111 prisoners all at once, reconfigured the Paulista prison system. With time, that prison was closed, and even eventually demolished, and a great program of prison building in the smaller cities of the interior of the state of Sao Paulo, went on to what would be a wide prison reform to contain rebellions of that type, and also as a response to the massacre produced in 1992. This prison construction was accompanied by another process internal to the prison system, which was the formation of factions, which very quickly were hegemonized by a single faction called the Primero Comando de first command of the capital, known as the PCC. This faction went on to function as a kind of partner of prison rebellion control, which is to say, they demonstrated a great force in relation to the state, and quickly they instituted rules within the prisons and affiliated many prisoners. Initially, it seemed this might be an organization of prisoner resistance, but it quickly turned into a kind of mafia, which is not a very precise term but which controlled and regulated the use of violence in the prison and also in the peripheral neighborhoods, especially the capital. This generated enormously the condition for the most basic and poorest prisoners, but also pacified this relationship and the possibility of rebellions. So it was in this context of super-incarceration and control through what Michel Foucault called the regime of illegalisms. To give you an idea... Brazil has almost 800,000 prisoners, giving Brazil the third largest prison population in the world, behind only China and the United States. So, in this universe of 800,000 prisoners, 200,000 are in the prisons in the state of Sao Paulo. So that you can have an idea, the state with the second largest prison population in Brazil is the state of Paraná, which has 40,000. So the great mass of the Brazilian prison population finds itself in Paulista prisons. The emergence of the epidemic of COVID-19, the coronavirus, created a state of great apprehension and anxiety at first on the part of human rights organizations, organizations that support prisoners, religious institutions, and groups of prisoners' family members that fight human rights violations in the prison system. The first note that came out here was from an organization called Pastoral Carceraria, Prison Pastoral, linked to the Catholic Church, which immediately expressed concern based on the very serious risk of contagion from this virus and urged the state to liberate prisoners, with a very simple argument, and one that was also based on law, the Lei de Execusal Penal, Penal Administration Policy, the law that regulates through the Secretaria de Administración Penitenciaria, the Secretariat of Prison Administration, the LEP, which regulates the running of prisons in the state of Sao Paulo. Pastoral Carceraria argued, Well, if you cannot allow prison population concentrations because that favors the dissemination of the virus, prisons, especially the overcrowded prisons throughout all of Brazil, but especially in Sao Paulo, would need to free their prisoners, not only in the name of the health of these people, the prisoners, but also because of the risk that these prisons could become a kind of focus of contagion. This note from Pastoral appeared more or less around the beginning of March until about five days later, the 15th or the 16th of March, five prisons in the state of Sao Paulo registered rebellions and escapes. That very day, the 16th, a Monday. The escapes were linked to a decision by Justice Internal Affairs to suspend short-term leaves because Justice Internal Affairs understood that prisoners who had the right to short-term leaves, to leave the prison and come back, could become vectors of the virus. And some prisoners in semi-open systems, the semi-open system is more or less what you in the U.S. call sub c these prisoners who would get out eventually, fled, even producing a pretty funny video shared on social media of them running, leaving the prison behind them. The situation, at the moment, is one of tension. That is to say, an undeclared tension. New escapes could happen. It's always good to remember that we are very much at the beginning of this epidemic in Brazil, even though the facts are that we're all walking around with masks, even though the recommendation is for everyone to stay at home to avoid social contact, always using images from other countries such as Italy and Spain, as a future that people here must be living in two or three weeks. In spite of all this, the spread of the virus is still very preliminary. We've had around five or six deaths so far, so chaos or panic hasn't yet installed itself here. But it is fairly likely that when this landscape becomes more intense, the prisons will not remain quiet, and all these questions will be raised again. In the present moment in which we've had these escapes in these five prisons, this declaration of control by the authorities, and now in the most legal field, Groups from all throughout Brazil, Ceará, Minas Gerais, Rio de Janeiro, are looking for legal means to demand the release of, at the very least, those prisoners considered the least dangerous, using the argument that the prison is a place of possible spread of the virus. So for the moment, that's the question. I hope I've cleared things up for you, and if you have any other questions, I'm here at your service. So a great solidarity embrace to the anarchist comrades there in the U.S., and I hope that in this global emergency that has activated all the security protocols, we anarchists can manage to provoke a response on behalf of freedom, strengthening our self-care, our mutual aid, and not negotiating our liberty with the state. A warm embrace to all of you.
0: Next, we have more updates from our contact on Rikers Island. Here he is, giving several updates he left on our hotline.
4: So yesterday, uh, it's Friday the 20th, in the afternoon, about 6 p.m., when I got back to the the dorm, uh, there was a guy who was having symptoms. He was feeling hot and had a dry cough. Um, It took him about two and a half hours to get him out of the dorm and to the clinic. And um, even though he kept asking and asking to be taken out of the clinic, and once he got there, apparently, he had a 103 degree fever and was taken into quarantine in West Facility. It's the mini hospital on the island. Um, as of last night, there were 52 people in quarantine in West Facility. Um, and then, unbelievably, later in the day, after they took the guy out, they brought six new people into this dorm, so we got even more crowded. Um, and then at about 5 in the morning, they brought eight more people in. So there are no empty beds uh, in this dorm. where they are supposed to be sleeping uh, right on top of each other uh, yeah, it's just really crazy. People are getting really angry. We're um, asking uh, captains, uh, you know, high-ranking uh, DOC you know, officials, uh, if we can get tests and tested since there's some underlying symptoms in here. Um and now that we're sleeping two feet away from each other, uh, with no empty space, uh, they won't give us an answer. Um, people are getting very, uh, very upset. Yeah, just calling uh, to let you know that they moved a lot of people out of our dorm. Uh, this was Thursday night going into Friday from like 1.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. I think they were still moving the last few people out around 9.10 a.m. Most people all went home under work release, but there are about 12 of us who are still here in the dorm wondering if we're going to release door early or if we've just been judged like too dangerous or whatever. Um, I know the DA reviewed my paperwork personally. Yesterday, I don't know if the DA himself did, but the DA's office, I mean. Um, and they rejected me. Um, that's apparently not a final answer, according to my lawyer. Um, but for right now, um, it's a no. So I'm stuck here. That's a real bummer because Mayor de Blasio has said that they're releasing everyone who is not a danger to the community. I'd like to think I'm not a danger to the community. I, I mean, there's a call-in campaign on my website. Sorry, I'm a shameless self-promotion, but I'm trying to get out of jail. Uh, it's com.
2: Other than that,
4: um, it's kind of nice that it's quieted it down a little, but of course this is still a really bad situation to be in if you're trying to prevent the spread of infectious disease, right? still have COs going out to various places in the world, coming back in, walking down one main hallway, coming into our dorm and then what? serving us our food, risking us, searching our things, breathing on us, you know. Often the COs still aren't wearing masks. Uh, we were given masks uh, almost a week ago. I told them to give a new one every week, but no word if we're going to one tomorrow. Um. The doctors are supposed to conduct screenings every day, but most of them just stand by the entrance of the dorm and yell, Does anyone have any symptoms? Um, and then walk out. Yeah, not not much has changed um, except the number of people. It's still not enough to make a difference. Um, everyone here is waiting and hoping for good news. I mean, I've seen people who had long sentences who were only two months into a 16 month sentence, uh, including some who had violent felonies. Uh, I've seen people who did 15 years and were on parole go home. You know, people with extensive ramp sheets. Uh, anyway, I everyone here. I'm just waiting and, uh, and hoping to hear good news soon. Sunday, we went on like a mini strike. We didn't. We refused to leave the dorm for uh, meals or work. There were a number of things that contributed to it. So the DOC brought in eight people from a, a different uh, building, a housing facility in a different building, where someone had had symptoms for coronavirus. So all the all eight of those people were tested for coronavirus. We talked about a really painful nasal swab that went really went way up into your nasal cavity, right? And, you know, they were tested and then told they were good to go and moved into our dorm. Um, but good to go apparently didn't have anything to do with whether the test results had come back or not, and they had it. And then less than 24 hours later, four of those eight people were moved out by DOC uh, because their test results had come back positive. So then our dorm was placed in quarantine thanks to the DOC's bungling things. Mind you, we still don't have regular access to uh, cleaning supplies or enough cleaning supplies on the regular. We don't have PPE. This is Sunday, right? There's no masks. There's barely enough gloves to clean with, right, with the recycle. these rubber kitchen gloves, um, you know, among 40 people. And, you know, there's no tests to confirm if anyone is come in contact with these people is infected or not. Um, they haven't even sent doctors in to screen us for symptoms. And then, you know, we want to be released. That's what the Board of Corrections, um, that's what a lot of public health officials and others, Um, You know, uh, public defenders are recommending that large numbers of people, including most of us, according to the criteria, right, that they put forward. So obviously we have a stake in it, right? But we've got to push for this. Well, it's actually an active issue, right? And then Sunday morning at about nine thirty, people were talking on the phone as usual, and the phones just cut off. The phones were cut off for almost two hours.
1: You Um, have one minute
4: left. God, we're getting cut off again. Well, the phones were cut off uh, with no warning for almost two hours, um, supposedly to make us clean, but as I mentioned the other day, we clean all the time anyway, we've organized ourselves with the cleaning crews so people really didn't take that well, that was kind of the inciting incident, so um, we said, you know what, we're sticking it up, that's what they call it we're sticking it up, we're not going out for chow so we didn't leave the dorm uh, for lunch or dinner nobody went to work and the dorm across the hall did the same thing so it's about 90 people total And, and yeah, we ended up getting piles of cleaning supplies by the end of the day, we got a doctor to come in and conduct screenings and give us masks they're just standard cut and surgical masks that are good for two days, apparently we'll get one a week uh, at best, so I still have the same mask, but it's something like that's a start.
1: Hi, Kite Line. This is Letha. I'm calling in regards to how Marius Mason is doing. We spoke on the phone a few days ago, and he said that the BOP has notified everyone that no prisoners have tested positive, but neglected to mention that no prisoners have been tested at all. He laughed about that, but he also expressed concern about how. The prisoners in his unit sleep inches from each other. They all share the same phones, the same spaces. Um, Programs have shut down, programs that are necessary for people who are trying to get early release, um, and that's their only means of of gaining early release. Murray is, of course, thinking about them and saying, you know, obviously it doesn't matter for me, but he has a hard time seeing others who have shorter sentences and are you know, denied the ability to, to gain early release. He sounded hopeful, he was laughing, but he was obviously scared. Please think about Maurice at this time and all prisoners.
5: Hello, 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 world. Um, this is okay. DeAngelo Hall, calling out of Walpong Correctional Institution here in Wisconsin. I'm calling for time into the coronavirus, being, you know, uh, brought into the institution. Right now, um, the staff here are not taking taking proper uh, protocol right now um, to keep us safe. They're locking us in these rooms, keeping everybody close, showering us all in bunches. The staff wearing masks, gloves and whatnot, but keeping it away from us inmates. Um, I've been incarcerated now nine years here in Wisconsin. Never seen anything like this pandemic before. Scared, very, very scared. Um, the Governor has spoke about inmates period since this pandemic been you know on the rise um i I, I quite frankly feel he don't give a f- about us inmates. Excuse my language. There's a lot going on within these prisons right now, and it will be a lot of death if something don't happen. I appreciate the the time I appreciate being able to air this message so that everyone can hear what's going on within these prisons. I understand we are in prison for things we've done, but uh, at the end of the day, Wisconsin didn't me to death. So, you know, I, I feel something should be done about a lot of us who are sitting here with shorter sentences. Right now, 13 years, i got four years left, and it don't seem like this pandemic getting any uh, better than what it was a week ago. seems every day it gets worse. Well, I want you all to know that uh, us guys who are incarcerated, we do matter for, like, everybody here in these penitentiaries do matter.
0: If you or someone you know have updates on the coronavirus pandemic's impact on the prison population, you can call our hotline and record a message to be played on the air. Please call 765-343-6236. We'll have more messages on our website from Wisconsin, where several people have called in to report on the crisis in prisons there we had more calls than we could air this week. So if you want to hear these calls in advance of next week's episode, we'll have them on our website, wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. Thanks to everyone who's called in. Please keep calling in and stay safe as best you can. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana 47402. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. Feel free to write us at KiteLine at wfhb.org. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.